This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a pleasure to join you today uh, with all that is uh, with all that is going on and obviously looking very closely at what is taking place in Miami as Donald Trump prepares to face arraignment and who better to chat with this about than our dear friend attorney, columnist to the nation, author of the best-selling book, Allow Me to Retort, Ellie Mistal joins us. Hey, brother, Hi, how are you? Hi, Mark. How are you doing on, on arraignment day? day <laughs> a lot of people waiting for it for a very long time. Yeah, this is, uh, this is something else. So Let's first of all start in it, and we want to thank Roland Martin. He has uh, uh, live camera footage outside of of the Doral uh, Resort. The arraignment is what around three o'clock today. Yeah, that's what I, that's what the internet tells me. And so, what what what, what exactly will happen then, Ellie? All of the arraignment's a very simple process. It's just basically the way that you kind of acknowledge that you understand that you've been charged with something, right? So. You, you show up at court, they read the charges to you, you enter a plea, Trump will likely say not guilty, um, instead of, I totally did it, please have mercy on me. Um, and then uh, the judge, in this case, um, the MAGA-appointed judge, um, Eileen Cannon, um, will make some indications about when Trump has to appear in court next, either I don't know if she'll set a trial date today. She she might, but I don't think she will. She'll set a date for a next court appearance to um, uh, continue uh, the proceedings, to handle any motions, whatever. Um, and that will get that will be our first indication of how long she intends to take before she brings this to trial. And so, how are we feeling about her and and her agenda? I mean, I know there's some concerns since she's an appointee. <clears throat> Well, they're not. It's not just because she's an, a Trump appointee. It's because she's a Trump appointee who made a horrible, nonsensical ruling in favor of Trump previously in this very case, right? Where where Trump was claiming that he didn't have to turn documents over to the federal government because he had executive privilege over national security secrets. That's a dumb argument. Like that. That is just a straight up legally dumb argument. And yet she not only bought it, she wrote kind of a gobbledygook decision um, appointing a special master to oversee the production of documents. Now, she was overruled quickly and harshly by the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, um, a three-judge panel that had two Trump judges on the panel, um, and all three of them unanimously overruled her. So, like, she's been uh, she's been chastised for, um, for her ridiculous rulings. But... Having already made one ridiculous pro-Trump ruling in this case, the, the fear is that we are in for a series of ridiculous pro-Trump rulings. And I think that's an entirely legitimate concern. The problem is, what do we do about her, right? Like, she's not going to recuse herself. Um, the Department of Justice, Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, special counsel, they can ask the 11th Circuit to remove her because of her private, private, prior rulings. And a claim that she's biased. Um, I don't know if the 11th Circuit's going to buy that, but I'm not. Uh, I, I haven't worked in that circuit, right? So, so I can't say for sure. Um, I think it's unlikely that the 11th Circuit will buy that, and so most likely uh, we're stuck with her unless we're going to go through a very lengthy process of trying to fight and remove her. And this is my point, Mark. Whatever we do. It's going to increase, it's going to cause delay. It's going to extend the period of time between these charges today 
and Trump actually standing trial. Whether that delay is induced by Cannon herself elongating the calendar beyond all reasonable measure, or that delay is caused by trying to remove Cannon, um, there's going to be delay in these proceedings. Was it, it, it a good idea to even take it to Miami? Ellie, should this have been done in New York? How, what would you, how would you have handled that? I think Jack Smith was absolutely right here. If he does it in D.C., and a lot of people thought he was going to do it in D.C., but if he does it in D.C., the very first motion Trump's lawyers make is what's called a change of venue motion. They will say that these crimes took place, if, you know, if these crimes happened, they took place in Miami, they took place at Mar-a-Lago, we should be doing this in, in Florida is what they would say. And that's not an unreasonable argument. I'm not sure that it wins, but it's not an unreasonable argument. And again, that itself would be a huge delay in the process, uh, following the motion, appealing it all the way up to the Supreme Court, having a ruling. And then, like I said, you might lose and end up in Miami anyway, right? So I think Smith uh, was wise to cut out a lot of the middleman here uh, and get right to the heart of the issue. I think he knew he was going to end up having to do this in Miami anyway, so might as well start there. It is a risk. When you go to Florida, right, you end up with Florida judges and, and, and more, more importantly, perhaps Florida jurors. And so those are all risks that Smith was, was willing to take. Um, I imagine that he thinks his case is strong enough that it will matter if, that he has to, to, to try it in front of a Florida jury. But I also would point out that lawyers tend to be Lawyers tend to have a bit of hubris when it comes to their ability to convince people, especially MAGA people, right? So, like, I don't know that, I don't know what happens, um, but I, but, but, it, but it's a risk I think he had to take. Uh, yeah. So you would say that's a that's a worthwhile risk. So now, um, I want to ask you a little bit about the the indictment. There are charges that he violated the espionage act correct yep 31 of them <laughs> so we've gotten a glimpse of you know that having to do with um some of those some of these boxes having military information classified information i think even some nuclear information uh there's been some reporting of late about uh, not directly related but we've heard about some cia operatives um and other uh, operatives in that, I guess, the espionage industry in terms of some of our allies being threatened, being hunted. Did did what Donald Trump steal? Did he possibly expose any individuals in the espionage community uh, to harm with the documents that, that he stole? OK, so I want to be very clear, Mark. We are now going beyond my field of expertise. OK, OK. Right. Right. And, and, and going into. Um, truly kind of national security um, and counterintelligence work. We're kind of, we're going kind of away from me and towards like where Malcolm Nance lives, right? Um, so, <laughs> so I will do my best impression of Malcolm Nance, I, I guess. And I, I will just say this. Um, when you have a situation where a person has stolen national defense, what's called national defense information. That's what we're talking about when we're saying national security information, potentially less than what happened, what have you. When you have a person who has stolen national defense information, refuses to give that information back, keeps that information in not only an unsecured location, but in an unsecured public location. Remember, Mar-a-Lago is a resort. People are, you know, people are showing up there for weddings. Tr Trump has no, you know, control over that guest list. So when you keep that, when you steal that information, you keep it in an unsecured public location, and then later people start dying. And then later you hear about um, um, various breaches of national security. It's, it's not hard to make a connection from one to the other. There's no evidence, back to my field, there's no evidence in the indictment that there's a connection. There's, he hasn't been charged with anything like that. Um, there's no evidence that I am aware of that he has what what I what I see happening is that he used these documents to like brag to his friends. There's no evidence and there's no charges that he sold the information to our enemies. There's nothing in the indictment about that. So 
I can't I I I I can't know if there's a connection there. Um, but it's not. I understand why people are making that connection because we what we have here is again stealing national defense information and not giving it back. And I just want to kind of emphasize how weird it is that he wouldn't give it back. Right? Like one of his defenses is going to be like, oh, other presidents have taken documents that maybe they weren't supposed to have. And that's true to some extent. But they give it back, right? It's like, oh, did you know that you had this and, uh, you know, lying between your couch cushions? No, I didn't, FBI director. No, I didn't, National Archivist. Here you go. Sorry. Like, that's... And if Trump had just given it back, I promise you, Mark, he would not have been charged with any of this stuff, right? If Trump had just given the boxes back when he was asked, like a normal human, none of this happens. All of this, all of what's happening to him is his own dang fault yeah he brought he brought it on himself so where are the boxes now has has the authorities retrieved every box now i believe well, i believe they have every box that they know about because <laughs> a, a big Whoa. part of this a big part of this indictment is that he was lying to investigators about what he had and where it was Right, that's an, that's another reason why he's in trouble. That's why his boy Walt Nua is in trouble, right? Because Walt Nua was participating in the conspiracy. This is one of the charges: the conspiracy to obstruct justice. That charge goes to Trump's hiding of the documents and false representations that he had given all the documents back when he knew damn well that he had it. Right. So now, yes, investigators, the FBI, law enforcement, the National Archives. They have everything they think is missing, but that's still kind of reliant on on them, you know, having done a thorough search of all of his properties and, and whatever. Like, they don't probably know what's in the trunk of his car, right? <laughs> so he could, he might be hiding more stuff. Um, I think it's unlikely. I think that the FBI generally does a thorough job here. I think it's likely that they have everything, um, uh, but you never know because again, part of this case is that Trump was lying about what he had and where it was in the first place. Yeah. Now, it, <laughs> we know he didn't go to the inauguration. That's the custom, uh, to ride in the car with the, um, with the incoming, the outgoing president riding in with the incoming. So is it possible, Ellie, you know, we, we knew he was boycotting because on the surface we knew it. He had said he didn't believe he actually lost. But it sounds like he held, fell back and stayed at home, stayed at the White House to pack some boxes himself, didn't he? That's that's what we're hearing. He actually was hands-on in the packing of the boxes, was he not? Yeah, I think that I think the one of the wildest things about this indictment is that Trump was personally involved packing the documents, right? Like he he cleaned out his own damn office, put it like that, right? Um, and and took what he decided he wanted to take. There was also, you know, there were stories right after the inauguration that the Trump people kind of sabotaged the White House, kind of like, you know, did some vandalism and shenanigans um, um, trying to make it difficult for the incoming Biden administration people to kind of quickly get up to speed and get up uh, get up on their jobs. You know, one of the, you talk about traditions. One of the traditions is that the outgoing White House staff kind of Sherpas the incoming White House staff around, right, to... Make sure that the transition of power is as smooth as possible. We know because Trump was kind of actively organizing a coup that even those kinds of normal traditional uh, transitions and handoffs didn't happen. So, like, there was, a, you know, how do I put it? When you elect a criminal president, there are going to be problems not only during his administration, but also on the back end. And I think we're seeing kind of evidence of all of that. And some of that evidence has filtered, has even filtered in to these 37 indictments, uh, uh, charges against Trump today. Um, I've been asked the question, asked the question, and I think I gave the right answer, but I want to make sure I, I was interviewed yesterday and I think I had my facts straight, but we'll go back and correct my facts based upon what you say. <laughs> if, if I need to, the, the, the difference between Biden having found classified documents 
in his abode and Pence even, I think he found a document or two, was that they immediately disclosed them and returned them, right? And we have no evidence in either of those documents were of a national security nature, correct? Well, not only are you correcting your facts, but I would go further. We also have no evidence that what Biden or Pence had um, was shown to anybody who wasn't supposed to see it, right? So it's like, uh, look, and I kind of understand this from a from the perspective of being a disorganized person in my own kind of office and person, right? Like, yeah, you've got pa you got papers lying around your office, right? You kind of grab a binder full of this. You grab grab a folder of that. You maybe don't know that one of the pages that one of the files that you grabbed um, has classified information that you weren't kind of entitled to, um, um, and then you kind of throw it on your couch, you throw it in your, your office, whatever, and you forget that it exists until somebody says, hey, do you got that? You know, for me, it's always like, don't you have that wedding invitation that I sent you three months ago? Oh, my God, I'm sure it's here somewhere, right? And then you find it. And you're like, oh, okay. And then you, you give it to the person who, who asked for it, right? You don't hide it. You don't stuff it in, you know, your bathroom. You don't bring in your friends and be like, look at those secret pins that I got. You don't do that. And that's not what Biden did. It's not, not what Pence did. And as far as we can tell, it's not what any other president has done either, right? I think there's a story like Clinton had his memoirs like in his sock drawer, right? And so there were some questions about like, what he was allowed to take. It was his own memoirs. He was allowed to take it, but it was also like not something that he was like showing off to friends. It wasn't like battle plans that he was showing off to his friends. So the, the, the analogies that the right wing is trying to make between the behavior of other presidents and other vice presidents and Trump, they just don't hold up to their first contact with reality. Because when every other person who's been in this situation, has been asked to return sensitive material, they've returned it, again, like a normal person. It's only Trump who refused to return it. It's only Trump who lied about what he had. It's only Trump that moved boxes from one place to another to try to prevent the FBI from finding them. That's all Trump and nobody else. And, and, and not, not to... Not to mention the fact that um, in those other instances, um, there was no evidence. Well, we'll put it this way. In those other instances, it seemed to be accidental, the documents that they had. There's no evidence that folks was packing up boxes. And it wasn't volumes of evidence either. I mean, it wasn't volumes of documents, volumes of boxes. That's, that's exactly what Trump did. He deliberately and seemingly pre- meditatively knew what he was looking for. I mean, do we have any idea that, okay, he just saw a bunch of classified documents and he grabbed a whole uh, boxes of them randomly? Or did, do we have a sense that he actually knew and strategized on what documents he wanted to take? Or is that something we'll have to wait and hear at trial? The, I'll start with the second question first. That's what we're going to have to wait to hear from trial. I don't, that the indictment does not speak to whether or not Trump kind of was proactively like, I want this, that document, that classified document or whatever, or if he just like grabbed a box of stuff and like ran. Um, we just don't, we don't know that yet. That's not in the indictment. In terms of the difference between uh, what he's accused of and, and again, what Biden or Pence has done, like you're, you're exactly right. They, they, they weren't proactively collecting this stuff. Like, look, Bi Joe Biden has been in government for decades, right? Like literal decades and i think that anybody who's worked a job over any you know for more than like five years like you end up with like some stationery in your house right you end up with some post-it notes you end up with, you end up with some pens right maybe the office stapler is somewhere like you end up with stuff in your house over the course of time when you work for an organization for long enough right um i think that is more analogous to what Biden is going through and what Pence is going through with, with this kind of stuff. And again, the key factor here is, well, you give it back. If somebody asks, hey, Joe, did you take the stapler? You look, you have your, and Joe's able to put lawyers on it, right? Oh, you know what? I do have the stapler. Here. Sorry about that. You move on with your life. Like, that's just, that's normal behavior. There's no evidence that uh, uh, Biden or Pence or anybody else 
was like packing up themselves secret documents for their own personal collection. That's just not not something that anybody else did. Something that Trump did. Um, and we don't know if Trump wanted specific things or if he was just randomly kind of, you know, grabbing what was uh, close to him. Um, but what the indictment shows is that he was personally involved um, collecting the documents that he stole. Is there any, is this a situation where, and I mean, he's probably too, too, too proud to do this, but if this were anyone else, might they want to negotiate or be eligible for a plea deal? Because this is a pretty black and white case. There's no circumstantial evidence. They have photos of the boxes in the bathroom, in the ballroom. So he had the boxes. He can't, his defense can't be that he doesn't have boxes. Hold it, I'm getting ahead of myself. Before I even ask about a plea deal, does he have lawyers to represent him today, Ellie? <laughs> Mark, I literally don't know. He has local counsel in Florida. Yeah, I saw yesterday that there was some question about whether or not he did. One of the lawyers on his team, um, our friend uh, Katie Fang has pointed this out. One of the lawyers on his team we know is barred in Florida and so should be able to stand up for him at today's arraignment. Um, but I don't know if he has local counsel. And this, just to be clear, like, uh, you know, lawyers are barred specifically in one of the 50 states, right? So, like, you can't, so, like, uh, you might have a lawyer who's barred in D.C. They can represent you, but they usually represent you through local counsel in whatever state you happen to be sued in. So Trump needs local counsel in Florida. I don't know if he's found it yet, but he's got some attorneys barred in Florida, so it shouldn't cause delay in the process. Let's hope. All right. So um, in that in that regard, though, back to my other question on uh, a, a plea deal, does the federal government, when you charge on the Espionage Act, is, is a plea arrangement ever an option? Do they let you eat? Do they even put that on the table? Oh, yeah. The government is always willing to, to, to cut a deal. The government is the government wants wants the wants people to be held accountable. And sometimes the easiest and quickest way to, to hold people accountable is to offer them a plea deal, right? This isn't a, this wouldn't be a plea deal to flip, right? This wouldn't be Walt Nua could have gotten a plea deal to flip and he obviously did it. So that's on him. Um, good luck. Best of luck to you, Walter. Um, but the deal that would be offered Trump wouldn't be to flip. It would be to admit to wrongdoing. And Trump especially, I bet, and I have no inside information, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet, I would bet all the money in my pocket that Jack Smith would give Trump a sweet plea deal if he would just admit that he did it. Because one of the kind of weird factors about Trump is that he never admits to wrongdoing that he committed. And that means that he is able to inspire and get, you know, thousands of barbecued, splattered, violent white supremacists to rally and potentially riot on his behalf, right? So if Trump actually said, you know what, guys, I did this, that would be worth significant time off of his sentence, right? I, I, I don't know that he could completely escape jail time, but he might. If he just admitted that he did it, I think that the government would give him a very, a very uh, a, a good deal. Because remember, Mark, and this is what I said earlier, the government wouldn't have, even, wouldn't have even charged him if he had just given the documents back. Like, the, like the, there's just no way he gets charged with 37 counts of felonies if he just gives the documents back when asked. Everybody would have just been like, well, things happened. And we've just moved on. So, yeah, I think there's a plea for it. There's a deal for him to make. I, as you say, Mark, he's too prideful. He's too bombastic. He's too deceitful to take it. But there's a deal for him. Yeah, that's that's pretty dumb on his part. Um, I'd asked you a question earlier about the national security implications. And you mentioned that was not your lane, so to speak, and that that's the lane of our good friend, Ellie Mistal, that's the lane of uh, our good friend, Malcolm Nance. And so here's Malcolm. He's here <laughs> to, to help us out uh, in this. How about that? Hey, hey Malcolm Nance, how are you, buddy? I'm well, I'm well, and good to see Ellie. I've been watching you on TV. This is your time to shine. 
I, I thought it was going to be for the Supreme Court, not for this. But so uh, we go. Warned everybody that this was all going to happen. And, uh, and you God, well, that's coming. So, <laughs> right, and and you warned us about everything else up to this. Um, so you both have been. Uh, I'm I'm a minister, but the two of you have been prophets uh, <laughs> as well when it comes to this. So, Malcolm, I'm going to ask you the, the question I asked Ellie just a little while ago. Um, to what extent do we know about the national security nature of these documents? And um, do we know whether or not what Donald Trump stole uh, put uh, specific agents or operatives from either the United States or U.S. allies in jeopardy for their lives? Is that confirmed? Well, it's not confirmed because we don't know the specific documents. We know the nature of the documents. If, if anyone's watched my Substack this week, which is malcolmnance.substack.com, I wrote a story, which I call once every couple of weeks, I write a story called Top Secret Storytime. And in this week's Top Secret Storytime, it was about when I almost accidentally, went through no mistake, no error of my own, almost walked out of the National Security Agency with top secret documents that were in my medical records. It was because of the nature of a mission that I had went on. I got ill and they had put comments in my medical records, which were extremely top secret and would have, in fact, compromised the life of the doctor who treated my mild things that worked for another agency. Uh, and they had a doctor in that country that was local. Um, but when I got debriefed on that, which was all good, it was not my mistake, I called it to their attention, never left the secure building, the one thing that they, they said to me was, it's good you did this because if you had walked out the door, we must assume you stole those documents with the intent to copy them and sell them to a foreign power. We start the assumption there. The documents Donald Trump took were of such a nature that they're, they're shocking in how, ter I mean, to be quite honest, some of them terrified me, the very nature of them, principally because they were not just about the capabilities of our opponents. They were about America's capability to defend itself from an opponent, which if we're given to a foreign nation and even an allied power, uh, or a, a hostile power, it would render us weakless. I mean, it would literally tell them, here are the holes in our defenses, and which, of course, leads to, here's how we exploit those. The only thing I can do, I reviewed the titles of these documents, I reviewed the general classifications, which, let me tell you something, I had a top-secret special compartmented information uh, clearance with special access programs which gave me clearance to everything that was in his portfolio, including the human control system. When I worked with another government agency, I had to be briefed into that and polygraphed into that in a way that military people just weren't with their regular old top secret SCI clearances. And Donald Trump not only knew that this material was explosive, he knew that he should not take them. But in his adult mind, he believed or was led to believe by those people around him. And I'm looking at Cash Patel for this, right? This guy was essentially a coffee boy on Capitol Hill who went over to the White House, was leaking documents for Devin Nunes, had, by the way, had started work as an intern for Mike Flynn. And then they were going to, they appointed him deputy director of defense for intelligence for about three weeks prior to the inauguration, and then expect, they were saying they were going to appoint him director of the CIA. For Donald Trump to get these documents, here's what's missing from this story. And Walt Nauta is not the person. One of the people that flipped on Trump did this. Those documents had to be signed out of a secure, compartmented library. Yes, you could bring them up on your computer screen but you were not allowed to print them. For him to have a hard copy meant that they were hard copies requested by the President of the United States and his immediate staff, and they were either kept 
because there's a grit, there's a digital tracking system on each of them, or they were photocopied, which is even worse because copiers are not cleared, right? Even the ones we have that are cleared, you have to destroy the internals. So when when they're when they go out of use and the each copy has to be registered, and those machines that are secure actually puts a barcode on them. Someone did this for Trump. And we're going to find out who was the actual document thief that gave these documents to Donald Trump. Because most of the reason the FBI knew that they were out was because they were never returned back to the sensitive compartmented information library, or what we call the vault, right, at various agencies. And agencies at the end of the administration did a survey and were like, well, I'm missing nuclear weapons acquisitions programs for Iran or nuclear bomb, you know, nuclear bomb development documents from the Department of Energy. And they wanted their stuff back and either never returned or when they made copies, a copy registration was set. So these things are explosive. They could literally tell Russia, China, Iran, how to attack the United States at our most vulnerable points. Or worse, if it's about Iran and its nuclear weapons program, and we were given, and Donald Trump thought he could sell the Saudis the ability to make a WD-40, you know, uh, you know, uh, a, a D-40 atomic bomb themselves. This is just straight up treason, not the constitutional definition of treason, but the Espionage Act version of it. Mark, can I ask Malcolm a question? Please, absolutely. Please okay. go ahead. Um, Malcolm, how how easy is if you're an enemy? Yeah. Mar-a-Lago, not from my eyes, is not a secure location. How easy <laughs> is it for an enemy to have gone to Mar-a-Lago, maybe as like a wedding guest or as you know, as a you know, uh, I'm just here for the golf and kind of found a way to get access to these documents. Okay, I'm gonna tell you a funny story. Okay, um, I was involved in some operations which were joint agency operations uh, in which materials, we gained access to materials and, and quite possibly due to our enemies incompetence and stupidity. And here is how, when we're briefed on the access ways that, you know, you could go into a falafel shop and it was sitting next to the napkins or something, right? This is how we, we actually respond. We always say, you're shitting me, right? <laughs> you're shitting me. And then we go, no, here is the pathway of information and here's how you gain access to it. And I'll go, so what you're essentially telling me as an NSA operative, I don't have to break any codes, right? I don't have to do nothing. All I need to do is take my iPhone to a falafel shop, right? And I have the capability of intercepting the mistress of Saddam Hussein or whatever it is, right? Whatever amazing thing. And you would think it would be the most secure thing in that country, right? But at some point, and it had to be the Chinese because they already arrested two Chinese spies in there. The Chinese were realizing that this is a money-based system. The only way that the, the easiest way to gain access to Donald Trump is to have money. And to have money, you become a member. And to have a membership means that you can waltz in there left and right. I am certain that at one point, and it, it hasn't been said by the FBI, but it was just the, the methods of attempt. One of those women was a penetration agent whose job it was to check the access ways to the building and just to see the collection environment, as we call it. Mm -hmm. The other one was probably setting up SIGINT, Signals Intelligence. Because with Signals Intelligence, and I'm not saying that I ever set up in a five-star hotel room in Monte Carlo. Maybe it wasn't Monte Carlo. Maybe it was down the road at least. But, you know, these facilities can become spy centers by simply locking the door and putting the do not clean sign out. And we can bring in technical material in there into a giant vacuum cleaner. But with Donald Trump, this is the you're shitting me school of collection. Because at some point, someone had to have seen those boxes. 
and a trained operative, a trained agent, or even someone who is collecting the rumors of what's around the building. They will target guys like Walt Nutter. They won't target Trump. They'll target the idiots. They'll target the doormen. They'll target anybody. They'll slip 50, 100 bucks here. Hey, can you show me Donald Trump's picture of him with Kim Jong-un? That's how we get to that impossible collection. Unfortunately, a lot of material that I suspect we're going to see that was top secret code word. In some instances, certainly respect to nuclear weapons are what we call crown jewels intelligence. Crown jewels intelligence is the kind of information you would never, ever, ever get access to. It's just, it's just protected by the system and the people. NSA's encryption methodologies, our secure communications password, how to get to the atomic football and get examples of the of the communication setup that they use. Crown jewels, you're never going to get that. America's atomic bomb defenses. What? And this was sitting in boxes. Trump's ego was so big that the documents he saw, he did not see them as something to protect. In my, in my little story, in Top Secret Storytime, the, what happened was when I saw these documents, which related to an illness that were in my medical record, they should have been in my top secret medical record. We have regular ones and then we have classified ones, right? And they just mistakenly got put in there. I literally wanted to throw up, to throw up that this was on my desk and my desk was cleared to have these documents. It's just no one in my room had a need to know the name of the doctor that could be executed for having given me fucking cough drops. Oh, I hope we're allowed to say bad words. So, but you're Trump, fine. Trump saw these documents as literal jewels that he could pawn off or baubles to impress people. And what I suspect, I, I the this thing came so fast and so hard, I have to believe that um, that Jack Smith actually knows he was going to sell them. That's why he's confident. He doesn't care if he gets in front of Eileen Carroll, uh, Cannon, whatever the name of that judge is. He doesn't care. I suspect he intended to sell them or already has sold some. Because mm. this was like, Ellie, tell us, this was lightning fast, right? You I mean, the investigation was slow, but once yeah, he got yeah. onto what it had to do, six months seems to me to prosecute a president of the United States pretty fast. It took a lot of time to Jack, for Jack Smith to get appointed in the first place, right? We're at, uh, Merrick Garland takes office March uh, 7th, 2021. Um, Jack Smith doesn't get appointed till November 2022. But now we are in June 2023 and he has been he has been indicted. And again, if you look at the depth of this indictment, I, I you know, I was worried about Smith. I, I was worried that we were getting Bob Mueller too, right? And so I said at some point, um, um, Jack Smith will indict Trump for something just to justify his own existence. That is not this indictment. This oh, indictment is on a perfunctory like, hey, I got to do something. So, hey, you were speeding. No, no, no. This I was wrong about Smith. The indictment is thorough. It is deep. It is supported by photographic evidence which you don't often see in the indictment phase so put it like this folks if you you're, you don't give you don't show your best hand at the indictment right you wait for a trial to show all of your yep. big time evidence um your the indictment is just like the kind of bare minimum here's what here's how we know that i can at least charge him with something so if they're using photos in the indictment if they're using <laughs> um record tape recordings in the indictment I don't even know what they've got in terms of their actual evidence, right? So this is a very thorough investigation. And Malkin's right. It's a, uh, for from Smith's. I, I'm not going to give it up for for Garland, but from Smith's perspective, it's been very quick to go from when he started flat-footed in November to where he is now um, in June and where we are today with the arraignment. I don't think it's just a matter of the of the classified information. All right, because he could have gotten it. I mean, he could have cut cut a plea deal already, right? Misdemeanor jaywalking and all the documents get returned. Um, I recall a situation where I'm not going to tell you anything that's secret, but I, there was a guy 
in a room next to my room when I was at the National Security Agency. He sold a billion dollar system, a billion dollar collection system where it put hundreds of people's lives at jeopardy for $36,000, right? Oh, by the way, I think he died in prison. Uh, but anyway, um, my point is, when that information, we the only reason we knew it happened, special security officers walks into our room and everyone gets polygraphed. Everyone. They tore our physical room apart on the fourth floor because he had described it all to the Russians. So they physically moved us to another building, another floor, and another facility so that the Russians would never have the benefit of that, right? And then, of course, they charged his ass with the Espionage Act, up, down, left, right, center. Now, the kicker of this is he sold those secrets to pay his taxes, which I don't get, right? If you're going to do, you're going to betray it. Go Aldrich James, right? Go for a couple of million dollars. Go the full Benedict Arnold. But Donald Trump is an order of magnitude different. What I suspect is, oh, this, I don't even want to say it. I suspect that they may have signals intelligence where they cut out Trump's side of the conversation. And which means, by the way, for everybody, in case you haven't figured all this out with Edward Snowden, if you are an American citizen and you are plotting crimes against the United States, they will get a FISA warrant for you. In some circumstances, they will not show your side of the conversation, but the hostile power or the hostile intelligence agencies side of the conversation like this. Okay, I'll give you $2 billion for the design to American tactical nuclear weapons that will give us a 100 kiloton bomb capability in six months. See, I don't need the other side of the conversation. I'm going to arrest that person. So I don't know what they have. But like you said, the, the, the fundamental basic case without compromising the security of the United States is, you know, if Reality Winter, Airman Reality Winter, went to prison for five years for one piece of paper, one. All right. We just put another Air Force officer in prison for 30, for three years uh, for stealing several hundred documents that it appears he may have been mentally ill. We don't know. We don't know whether he was a spy or where he's doing that. But Donald Trump had access to every secret in America. And that's how you know there are no aliens, right? So <laughs> Donald Trump did not know <laughs> that secret. Yeah, why well, right? There's nothing about JFK left to learn. All right. Donald Trump would have sold that to the National Enquirer for a billion dollars. But no, he went after apparently, I suspect, big money. And he intended to use some of those documents as blackmail. I, you know, like when he went after Emmanuel Macron during their meeting in Europe, and it apparently knew about Macron's mistresses. We all know about their mistresses or telephone numbers, things like that, to bully him. But I suspect this is much different. I suspect what's going to happen. And we'll see how the Biden administration, the first, the first hint that the Biden administration starts pulling back from Saudi Arabia on defense is the sign that something in there was going to, you know, give Saudi Arabia an atomic bomb. And maybe have the Saudis, or not the Saudis, the Pakistanis build it for them, right? Which bringing in an unsecured nation with atomic bombs, right? This is not, this is speculation on my part, but there is no reason for those documents to exist in his hands. Um, I always say this, last thing, I'll quit my rant. Um, in the intelligence community, uh, we don't care about who, what, when, where, or how. We always need to get to the fundamentals of why, right? Why did an individual do this? That is the thrust of all espionage activity. Did he need to service his mistress in Acapulco? Did he need to do this? Because it gives you the motivation for the theft. And remember, when I almost accidentally, with my own medical records, 
almost accidentally walked out of a building and looked at them in an authorized secure facility. The thought of accidentally going through the door and losing my career for the rest of my life, I literally almost threw up at, at, at the thought of violating the trust of the American public and that I would never have that trust again. That is what made me sick to my stomach. For Donald Trump, it's like, I wonder how much that's worth. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, good question. L let me do this. Um, uh, um, Malcolm, hold, hold your position for a minute because sure. it's just, we're gonna come back to Trump in a minute, but before we get ready to wrap this up, Ellie, I wanna give you an opportunity to preview. What do you think that the Supreme Court is gonna do about affirmative action and will we get that ruling this week? Yeah, so um, uh, the Supreme Court usually um, uh, announces cases on Thursdays. They added another announcement day this Friday. That makes me feel like affirmative action is coming this week. They might want to try to do it in a Friday news dump kind of way. Look, affirmative action is going down. Race consciousness and admissions is going down. It's going to be 6-3. Either Roberts will write it himself or Clarence Thomas will write it um, instead because Clarence Thomas has made it his life's mission to pull up the ladder now that he's at the top of the treehouse. Uh, um, it's, and it's called the glass repair company. Right. Um, it's going to be bad. Um, uh, what I, what I, when I'm looking, look, I have already kind of mentally prepared for affirmative action to be taken away. What I am actually looking for in the case is what Roberts and the conservatives do to prevent colleges from even knowing about an applicant's uh, race, ethnicity, background, um, what have you. There was a testy exchange during oral arguments where Kataji Brown Jackson was like. What you're gonna not let kids write about their race in the essay, and you know Clarence Thomas would basically be like, "Why should they?" Right? You know, like the so like the the idea that you know, beyond just like whether or not you can be race conscious in, in admissions, the the idea that you can be your full self when applying to college um, could be on the line. And like, and I know that I'm setting the bar like real low. I'm setting the bar at it will be great if after they destroy affirmative action you know, a, a poor Latino kid um, from East LA can write in their college essay, I'm a poor Latino kid from East LA because Clarence Thomas, take that away from him if you can. You know, Uncle Ruckus, always stepping in. I mean, I'm sorry. My sainted, my sainted mother who passed at 93 was born in Charleston in 1926, hated that man. I mean, yeah. went in a white hot fashion and she loved everyone. It's like Mother Teresa coming up and slapping somebody. That's the impression she had of Clarence Thomas. I know the biscuits are better over there where he's at, but by God, he, like you said, he pulls up the ladder and then he drops out a no Negro sign yep. onto his clubhouse window. No extra Negroes allowed. That is that is Thomas's mo. So didn't, um, well, wasn't there a, a theory by I'm sorry, real quick by Cornell West called the only Tom syndrome? Yeah. And that's 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 what that's what Clarence has in spades. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, j just back to Trump. So now um, um, Malcolm has reminded us, Ellie, of the severity of these charges. Most other people do time for this. Uh, is it even. Um, are we able to even contemplate that a former president would do time for, yes. for these charges? Yes, yes, yes. I, 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 I reject the argument that Trump can't be uh, jailed just because he's a former president. Um, he's entitled to Secret Service protection, and I'm sure the Secret Service <clears throat> will have to protect him in prison, but he can go to prison, um, especially behind um, something like this. No, I, I, I think he could. I think he constitutionally, there is nothing that prevents him from going to jail. My problem, and again, and I've said this a lot, is what's the timeline on it? Because if we don't, and I've written about this for the nation, if we don't try him and convict him before the Republican National Convention set to go off July 15th to 18th, 2024, and then he gets named the Republican nominee, I don't see how this country jails one of two major party candidates in weeks before the election. I just don't see how we do it. It's not, you know, as Malcolm, that's what the bad people do, right? Yeah. And so, like, I think if Trump makes it to the... Look, before the convention, when he's just a candidate, put it, put him in jail, doesn't matter. After the convention, if he's actually named the Republican nominee, 
I think he's going to be able to avoid staying going to jail until the general election. And then if he wins the general election, God forbid, he will pardon himself. He will at, at that point, it's like basically it's a it's a war footing to get him in jail. So I feel like you gotta get it either get him done down before January 15th, July 15th, I'm sorry, 2024, or you're gonna have to beat him at the polls again so that the charges that Jack Smith has brought and the conviction that we hope he gets can be brought upon Trump and he can be jailed after the election. But trying to jail him September 2024, I just I just don't see how that happens um, in our political system. And, and that's and a political idea, not a legal idea. Legally, there's nothing that stops him from going to jail at any point. But that's kind of where the judge comes in that she can do some procedural stuff to kind of muck that up. Right. If she wants to, that's where she becomes a danger. Right. Right. But I also am saying, like, I think the idea will get purchased, not just with Eileen Cannon, MAGA judge, but I think it'll get purchased all up and down the judiciary. Right. I think if you go, I, I made this point earlier, but like Brett Kavanaugh in February 2022 said that we were too close to the November 2022 midterm elections to make Alabama change it's racist gerrymandered map. Now, Kavanaugh turned around last week and said, actually, that about Alabama map was racist and they shouldn't use it anymore. But he let them use it for that election, saying that we were too close to the election. And that was February to November. So now if you're in a situation where it's, again, August, September, and the election is November, I think you go all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says you can't put them in jail before the election. I just, I just don't think politically they will allow him to be incarcerated in that interregnum between the convention and the election. But that's a political idea, not a legal idea. Constitutionally, you can be president from jail. I mean, there's people are surprised about this, but there's nothing in the Constitution that prevents you from executing the duties of your office while incarcerated. So constitutionally, there's no bar. But I think politically and realistically, there is. And, and and there's nothing in this type of conviction that could disqualify him from even running for president. I think the only way that, if that happens is if, he, is if he were found guilty of sedition or insurrection, then he'd be disqualified, but not yep. for violating the Espionage Act, right? Yep. The, esp like, the charges under the Espionage Acts are willful retention of national defense information. It's mm -hmm. not sedition. It's not treason. As Malcolm made the great distinction between treason in the actual sense and treason in the legal sense. He hasn't been legally charged with treason and yeah. that therefore the only way to kind of prevent him from running from office is this operation of the 14th Amendment. You can't hold office and be a, you, you can't be Jefferson Davis is what the 14th Amendment says, right? Uh, right. right. <laughs> um, and Chuck basically isn't charged with being Jefferson Davis. So I don't think that you can use the 14th Amendment to stop him from running. Again, this is all, this all goes back to like my whole point that like, if you were going to stop him from running in 2024, you needed to jail him in 2022 and 2023 like that. That die has been cast, but, you know, he could lose like there. They're, they're, I don't I don't think he's going to I hope he's not going to win the presidency again. And this time, if he loses, there will be handcuffs on his ass on the back end. Yeah. And, you, and know, you, fought, I, and you fought Mary Garland for that, for this delay. This should have happened. Mary Garland was slow walking the prosecution or slow walking the investigation. He slow walked the special counsel, appointing a special counsel. So if this does go in that direction, we can blame Mary Garland for that, right? They, the National Archives knew from, from January 2021 that Trump wasn't returning documents, right? Um, we know from January 7th that he was plotting a coup. If Merrick Garland was going to say, we need a special counsel to handle this, Merrick Garland needs to appoint that special counsel March of 2021 and let the special counsel go off and do his job. Merrick Garland waits until November of 2022 to bring in the special counsel to actually do the work of going against Trump. And I have no fault of Jack Smith. Jack Smith has been a, so far a dogged, good investigator, right? But like if he had gotten, imagine what Jack Smith could have done if he had gotten this uh, opportunity a year earlier. Imagine where yeah, we are now. Uh, Malcolm, let me ask you a question in terms of and then we'll get ready to wrap up, folks. Uh, I, I promise, brothers, I really appreciate all the time you spent for us and our audience, folks. And we're, you're seeing live video courtesy of uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered and the Black Star Network there uh, in 
it, right out in front of the Doral Club in Miami. Um, I am must also give credit to the studio I'm using today. I'm using the studios of the of Dr. Benjamin F. Chavis and the National Newspaper Publishers Association. So all of us working together um, in bringing you this. And I appreciate both Malcolm and Ellie. Uh, Malcolm, in terms of the nature of all this classified information, mm. isn't it? Can the nature of the information and the facts in the information, won't that have to be redacted from the jury and the public going through the process? Because some of that stuff probably can't be still can't be public, right? No. Um, in fact, since it's a national security um, trial, what they will probably have to do in, uh, is they will probably have to clear the jury, which means that they will give them temporary security clearances and uh, to allow them to at least read um, the, 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 the headers of the classified, which tells you the nature of the story, right? So if I just say, hey, yo, it's some atomic bomb stuff, that's the uncleared version of it. That does not give me evidence. And I'm sure Ellie will, will, will support that. And I'm sure that they're, you know, I think what you have to do is you have to go look at the reality winter trial, winter trial. Uh, look at um, the trial for Aldrich James, <laughs> the trials for, you know, Robert Hansen. These are real spies of a foreign country who stole documents and took information they knew and transmitted it it doesn't matter where you transmit it. I could have been reading it to my dog at night and I made an unauthorized disclosure of information and took the material of a national defense um, nature out of a secured facility without authorization. And then when given the opportunity to return them, essentially hit them, stole them and deceived them. Hey, um, one uh, thing I'd like to talk mention uh, before we go. Well, uh, this guy, Walty Nauda, former Navy cook, Navy chief, which I cannot believe. Uh, this is the guy who I want to see if he breaks. I want to see if this indictment, um, you know, that he immediately cops a plea deal. And they said early on, I was listening to, to some other analysis, that he should already have been offered it and didn't take it, most likely because he expects Trump to get him off the hook. But as we know, right, ETTD, everything Trump touches dies. Trump is going to swear he has never heard of Walty Nauda. And that was this the guy that brought me my Pepsis? And he's not going to say that he had instruction from him. The conspiracy here is very clear. Trump likely personally directed him to remove very specific boxes because I suspect that Trump was maintaining a blackmail file or a for sale file. And that the documents that he gave up were not the ones that he wanted to give up. And I gained that. Listen, my job was to listen to people's communications. And you can tell a lot by what they tell their wife and what they tell their mistress, right? I always fall back on the mistress example because you generally don't lie to your mistress except about the nature of your relationship with your wife. You will lie to your wife about everything. But what you will do to lie to your wife is you will tell us a truth about where you could be if you weren't with your mistress. So you'll say, oh, I'm over at the National Nuclear Command Post uh, meeting with my guys on a study related to radiological dispersal. That's probably true. And probably very good intelligence. But when you call your mistress and you go, oh, yeah, baby, I ain't going over to the command post. I'm supposed to be over in, you know, uh, Kursk and I'm coming over to see you. If I get a wire inside your room, everything you're going to tell that woman's the truth. OK, we need to find out whether Walt Nauta is the mistress. Mm. Okay. Mm. Wow. Mm. wow, that's that's heavy. I want to have you come in. Yes, thousand people that do this every day against every person in the world except American citizens, unless they're spies. <laughs> I know I said I wanted to wrap up, but just real quick for you, Malcolm. What, what might our allies, U U.S. allies, be saying? I know the British prime minister was here. When they're alone with Biden, they, are they like, like, what's up? Have you all exposed us? Has America exposed some of our people 
with yeah. this foolish former president? I mean, are they giving Biden heat for this potentially? We have an acronym for that. Uh, Alpha Foxtrot Yankee Kilo Mike. Are you fucking kidding me? Wow. <laughs> right. I have literally heard foreign intelligence directors talk about where we had compromises. Go. Are you? Um, they are all now going to have to do a damage control assessment. The United States is doing a damage control assessment to determine whether Trump was misusing this information. Um, look, everyone now knows the United States cop, we, we call it copying, right? When we go after a target, the United States copies everybody. <laughs> if you're not an American citizen who we don't care about, right, who's not a spy, we don't care about you. But everyone else in the world is fair game, including our allies. The problem is our allies give us intelligence. And let's talk about the Iranian, the, the Iranian nuclear weapons program. A lot of that intelligence comes by human sources, which come from Israel. Israel has been very successful in running spies in Iran. I mean, their Mossad literally destroyed, just shot to death, chewed up his car. Their top nuclear scientist by infiltrating an automated machine gun system in a car and killing him and everybody around him. That's how good the Israelis are. Whatever yeah. we give to the Israeli, the Israelis give us, uh, it furthers That's their true. goals. The question is, did we just give them to Iran by giving them to the Saudis? Or did we just sell Israel's information to the Saudis? That's stuff that Israel would never want done. Because there are a lot of Iranian sympathizers and, and appeasers in Saudi Arabia who think the way to get uh, Iran is just to buy them off. So I don't know. All I know is, is that everyone's going to go through a damage control assessment. Donald yeah. Trump is the single worst source uh, of, of leaked classified in the history of the United. No, that's not true. I don't know. I, him and Edward Snowden are having a tight race. At least Snowden had the decency neck to neck. defect. Neck and neck. Ellie, so today, three o'clock, he'll arrive at the courthouse. He'll be arraigned. So he'll go in and get fingerprinted. He'll go before the judge. He'll enter a plea. That's pretty much what what will happen, correct? Yes, that's what will happen. And then we'll get, again, our first indication of the timeline of when his next court date is, of when the preliminary motion hearings are. Like, these are the, the, these are the important things for, for us going forward because I do think that Jack Smith has a really strong case. So for me, it really comes down to how quickly we can go from where we are today, you know, June 13th, to where, to where Trump is actually in front of a jury of his peers. Mark, one last point. You know, I yeah. wrote a book a year and a half ago called They Want to Kill Americans. And it was about the Trump insurgency in the United States. And as you can see from these people in your feed here, there's not many of them. Any violence here that's going to manifest itself won't manifest itself there, them trying to break Trump out. It's going to be somebody that attacks the national power grid and decides that Philadelphia doesn't need to have light. It's going to be a group of guys that will go out and do an armed protest somewhere by killing some federal agents like FBI officer. There's going to be violence. The question is where and when will it manifest itself? Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, you gave us the very, very last thing. I promise we're going to go. Malcolm, you gave us the, the benchmarks, thresholds for someone like Trump, the lowest being useful idiot. The fourth highest up on the rung ladder is full on agent. So uh, we have any more information about where he I think we kind of started useful idiot. Where are we today? There, what were the other two? There was. It was useful. And, and which, well, well, first off, there's a lower level. There's fellow traveler, uh, okay. then useful idiot, then unwitting asset. Then there's witting asset, which is where I've had Trump pegged since 2016 as a witting asset. He knew where his assistance was coming from and he worked with them. And the final one is an actual agent or an asset of a foreign power. They generally take money, have contracts and have tasking. We're going to find out whether he was an actual agent of a foreign power here, I suspect. Indeed, indeed. Ellie Mistal, follow him at thenation.com, also on Twitter, Ellie, uh, NYC. Uh, Malcolm, uh, tell everyone your Substack again. Sure, it's malcolmnance.substack.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Malcolm Nance. 
Wonderful gentleman. It's good to see you. It's been too long. Folks, you've got some of the best. You won't get anything like this elsewhere. I promise you. We're thankful to the National Newspaper Publishers Association for allowing us to use their space. Thank you, Dr. Benjamin F. Chavis, Jr. Thank you to Roland Martin for the live feed from outside door. We want to just come on uh, and share this with you. Share this with others. It'll also be the audio will also be up on the podcast. Make it plain wherever you get your podcast. Gentlemen, uh, we do thank you both. OK, thanks a lot, Mark. So nice to see you, Malcolm. Take care. We'll see you soon. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.